Welcome to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal. And Renee. And today we're doing something different. We are covering a missing persons case. A case out of uh, Luling, Texas. Jason Landry went missing in December of 2022. And uh, we invited someone on that is an um, expert on the case, an advocate, Jim West. So look forward to talking to him now. All right. Thank you for joining True Crime Broads. Thank you so much for listening to True Crime Broads. We would also love to see you on our social media. Our two main platforms are Instagram and Facebook under True Crime Broads. But we also have a presence on YouTube, TikTok, and Twitter. And also, if you listen to our podcast and enjoy it, please feel free to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple. And also, there's an option on Apple to leave a review as well. Thank you for listening to True Crime Broads. True crime broads with Crystal and Renee. I step on my neck, let it shine, let it shine, yeah. She gon' hit my line, I decline, I decline, yeah. Shall I be the best? I'm the fine, I'm the fine, yeah. Welcome back to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal and Renee. And today we are covering the missing persons case of Jason Landry. He went missing when he was leaving the college campus that he attends in San Marcos, Texas, to go home to see his family for the break in Missouri City, Texas. And Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in this case. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on. Uh, again, my name is Jim West. Uh, I'm just a regular old person going out of Houston, Texas. And uh, when Jason first went missing, December 13th, 2020, I saw the news reports uh, a couple days after, and it was intrigued because I knew the area, and he, for the most part, had seemed to vanish into thin air. Uh, and my my daughter too had had attended Texas State University, same college. I'd been down those roads that he took on his way home that night, and so I, I just had this feeling like, oh well, yeah, kind of curious to find he's going to be found. So I'll, I'll wait. And I kept checking news, was you know reports, and then. Days went on and uh, big searches were done. Uh, Texas EquiSearch was brought out, uh, then later followed by Texar. And, and I just kept thinking, okay, this is going to be the weekend. They'll find him, they'll find him, they'll find him. And then nothing. And it never came about. And so, you know, like anything, just, you know, hearts went out to these parents. Because I also have a son who's right at the same age. Um, looks a little bit like Jason. Uh, and it just, it, it touched me so I started, you know, doing a little online research, found that Facebook groups already started up and got into it. And, and the rest just kind of went from there. Wow. That's, that's just a great story. We weren't sure how you're related to the situation. That is awesome that you're a concerned citizen that jumped in and got started on it. Can you tell us kind of what the thoughts are on what happened to Jason? Oh, boy. Yeah. There is nothing but theories, realistically. Um, the, uh, you know, you've, since he's just basically vanished into thin air, he, you know, he crashed his car. The car was found. His clothes were found. Um, dog teams were brought in. They lost his trail after not too much time. So the current thoughts are, uh, that he just, you know, it's, it's a very rugged and remote area, uh, out where he was lost. It's basically, you know, a, a, a dirt gravel road through the middle of a very large oil field with not too many residences on it, no lights, not cell service even. 
Um, and the, the, the most prevalent thought is that, you know, he just started walking, got lost and, you know, succumbed to the elements. Mm -hmm. There, there's, there's a thousand other theories out there, but there is not really a, a much of a shred of evidence to support any of those. So it's, could be anything, but that's kind of the most current thought process on that. Well, and we know that his car was found and it appears, do people pretty much agree that are following the case that it was a one vehicle accident? Yeah, I, I think so. You, you okay. still have the people that, that want to throw out that there's just all sorts of crazy things that, you know, something, right. something happened and this and that. But, but, but realistically, yes. And many, many, many of us have recreated that drive myself, even on the exact conditions of a Sunday night at the same time, same moon conditions same weather conditions mm -hmm. um, at a time when school was effectively out. So traffic will be different. Uh, and that area right where the wreck happened is a very high traffic area for deer darting across the roadway. Um, oh, and it's wow. travel. If you were going a little too fast and had to swerve, bam, you, you crash into the side of the fence. I think that's pretty, pretty much, you know, the 90% people believe that it was a single vehicle crash. Right. And he was about 30 minutes so into his drive home, which was approximately two hours and 40 minutes. So what was the name of the little town that he crashed in? Luling. Luling, L-U-L-I-N-G. Okay. And that was on his way to Missouri City, Texas, which is where his parents live, where he lived before he went to college. Um I heard a couple of reports that one of his friends at college had FaceTimed with him before he left. Um, is yeah, that true? That is, yeah, that is, that is true. Uh, uh, and there, there actually has uh, law enforcement, I think had published that video, uh, uh, you know, FaceTiming him, getting ready, putting his clothes on things of that nature, you know, and all coinciding with the time of him leaving about 1030 when he punched, you know, his Missouri city destination into, into ways. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and took off. Um, and then about it, it, it's about 30 minutes into it's when really sort of his digital footprint stopped. They know that as he was entering Luling about 30 minutes in, um, a Snapchat message from that same person he had been, uh, FaceTiming with came through mm -hmm. and he had to shut down ways in order to answer the, or look at the Snapchat message. And when he did, uh, the theory, most common theory, and what I think law enforcement supports is that instead of in Luling making a right turn and then a left jog, how the highway continues, he kept on straight, which then took him onto this road that eventually turns into a gravel road in the middle of nowhere. And we've all done that when something distracts us when we're driving. Yeah, miss it. Absolutely. I miss. I can be on the phone with Renee, and mm -hmm. I can miss my turn. It happens all the time. Um, so that's unfortunate. So then the theory is that he went down that gravel road by accident and maybe it wasn't well lit. And did he hit a tree or do they know what he actually hit? He slid off the road. So he's headed northbound. He slid off the road onto the right-hand side. His car spun around 180 degrees and he slid into a fence and, and the back of his car hit a tree. So, um, and it was, you know, it's just pretty significant damage to the car. It's, it's well believable. There's no airbag deployment, but the way it hit, it's also possible that it, it just sheared the side and didn't, didn't deploy any airbags, but it could have been a pretty significant hit to the head, 
you know, those type of things. Now, what are the thoughts about the reports that someone had kicked out the back window? I read that. Is that, is that a theory yeah. or has that been proven that somebody kicked know. out the back window? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think there's anything to that. If you look at all of the images immediately after, because uh, that, that later that evening, the car was picked up by Dick's Diesel Service and taken to a storage lot. All okay. the glass is inside the car, uh, which would be consistent with a tree hitting it in the background, crunching up the fender, cracking the glass, and it goes inside. Okay. Um, in, in the car, I'm assuming it was an indrivable condition. No, it was not. That particular okay. year model of a Nissan Altima has uh, what's called a fuel cutoff switch. Mm-hmm. So uh, as soon as it hit that impact, it shuts down all the fuel to the vehicle. And you would have had to be a mechanic to crawl underneath the hood and find that switch and reset it for the engine mm-hmm. even to restart. Okay, so that's why I got out of the car. Okay, that makes sense. I figured that was the case. I just wanted to verify. And, and his headlights were, he left his headlights on as well. Um, and part of the strangeness is, is that when the car was found, you know, his cell phone was still in there as well as his wallet. And and we all know what, what 20 year old would get out of a car in the middle of nowhere without their cell phones. So oh gosh. Yes. That is absolutely. Bizarre. Even if it was dead, I would be hoping somebody could help me charge it and I could, you know, get, you know, whatever, but not leave it. Well, and is it true that he was, that the lights were still on and a volunteer firefighter just happened by and, and noticed it and called it in? Yes, yes, absolutely. That's, so timeline-wise, if you look at it, no one really knows, but you analyze the drive time, the, the crash probably ha- ha- happened somewhere around 11.25 that evening, you know? Uh, so, and then somewhere slightly later, uh, yes, a local volunteer fire department volunteer firefighter was on his way home heading heading down that road and and has every reason to be out there um he and his father check oil wells out there and that lives out there runs across the car with the headlights on uh gets out sees no one inside and then calls it in to 911 dispatch so okay now i've seen wacky theories on the internet with almost every single case, actually, of course, every case that we cover. Now, one of the things that I'm going to predict that this is wacky, okay, but I I have to ask. I saw theories, and this is Facebook group, so we're going to take this with an enormous grain of salt. There there are theories that the volunteer firefighter is the, did something with him and is guilty in some way. Is, Is anyone realistically thinking in those terms? No one that I would consider has any shred of sanity. Okay. <laughs> that was my thought as I was reading this. So and I saw it in more than yeah. I saw it in more than one place. So that was kind of what made me want to ask you. Okay. Well, well that's good to know. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's good fodder for, for Facebook fanfare, but that, that poor kid and his family. I mean, he was just nothing but a kid coming home doing what he normally does and saw something and did what he was supposed to do. Right. And now all right. of a sudden now people are saying, ooh, I wonder if he's involved. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And, and, and him and his whole family have been extremely helpful. They've, they've helped us as we've done the search, you know, on, in terms of, you know, giving us insight and things like that. They're great people. Um, and that's you got to think Caldwell County Sheriff, Wooing PD, uh, DPS, Texas Rangers, and now the Attorney General's office. You know, if they say that this person is clear, they're clear. Yeah. Yeah. I believe sense. that. Okay. Well, thank you for clearing that up because I think that if I saw that, 
I'm sure a lot of our listeners saw that same thing. And right. I'm glad you cleared that up. Um, is there anything else going on right now that's interesting or new? Or are we still kind of in the same place we were at the end of 2020 on this case? Yeah, I tell people that all the time. We know exactly how much we knew on December 14th of 2020. Mm. I mean, realistically, there's there's been a few things. Um, you know, the AG's office, that we finally did get a geofence warrant, which uh, basically ruled out that there were no other cell phones uh, in the area during the time. Uh, so that kind of took out a lot of the potential for criminal element. Mm-hmm. However, a lot of people, it is, it is it can be a fairly poverty-stricken area out there. And so a lot of people have phones that only work on Wi-Fi. Um, so it doesn't completely rule out someone else being out there, but it does take a lot of that out. Um, and since there are no like super strong leads, the whole process of looking for Jason um, has been merely a, a, a slog fest of just uh, ruling things out, process of elimination. We don't really have a way to say, hey, go here. But, you know, a theory comes up, could it have been this? We go, we check it out. We rule it out. We're slowly whittling that down. It's not the fastest route finding what happened to Jason, but unfortunately it's the only route that we have right now. Yeah. And I was reading on uh, line about the searches um, that y'all do, I guess, once a month. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, sure. So, uh, and, and, and really a little over a year ago, a, a group of us call us all uh, true believers, if you will, um, sort of with various people, uh, Felicia Sundgren, Cindy Lay, and Catherine Shell and some others uh, started up a, a private Jason Land research team um, because by that time there was not, you know, much searching going on anymore. Not much things happening, mm-hmm. and so we've uh, did some fundraising. We've done nine searches thus far this year: um, foot searches, some dog searches. Um, we have hired in outside dog teams to come in. We've had some very gracious dog teams in Texas volunteer their time, which they normally don't do for private citizens. Most dog teams will only work at the behest of law enforcement. Um, and then uh, our last searches were, I believe, in June. And then we took the summer off because it is just too hot. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and we were also searching creeks. So you're in waders, you know, vests, all that stuff. Uh, the area is very rugged. It has hydrogen sulfide gas danger out there, so we have to carry gas monitors. Um, and so we've taken the summer off, and now we're regrouping. We'll be meeting next week. Uh, we've got a tentative two to three searches planned for uh, the the rest of the year, you know, depending on some factors. And we're just going to continue to keep going until Jason's found. Do you all often um, ask other people to help? We do. We do. We have a, we currently a core of about 30 folks. And one of the things we do is, is, is active, you know, uh, recruitment of people that, that show an interest. Um, most of us that, that are on this search team, there's a few exceptions, but we really only know Jason Landry. We don't follow other true crime stuff. Uh, and so when we're interviewing people that come join us, um, that's one of the things we look for. You know, because we need people that are dedicated, um, you know, and we ask them the same question you asked me. How did you get involved? How did you find out about it? Um, so uh, and, you know, not everyone can make every weekend. We're all volunteers. You know, we all have lives, kids, football games, those, those kind of things. So we do need to keep expanding out so that we can 
you know, it's hard to go out and search with four people and cover any yeah. ground. If we've got 15, 20, yeah, we can do a good targeted search. And we've got a great, great, great team of folks that really pitch in. And it's amazing how much of a fairly well-oiled machine it's come That's to nice. be with it from just a bunch of folks that are just good Samaritan volunteers. That is great. You know, I have a question about kind of what the main theory is, would you say? I read where law enforcement initially said they thought that he had a one-car accident, got out, and unfortunately, this is difficult to even say out loud, but there's apparently wild hogs in the area they think that could have gotten him. Um, What is everyone's thought on that initial report from law enforcement? You know, it is it is a possible anywhere in Texas, wild hogs are prevalent. Um, but but if you think about it from a realistic standpoint, um, as much and if you've ever had the rare opportunity to see all of the search tracks covering that area, it, it's 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 almost hard to believe that some evidence of that would not have come to pass. Mm-hmm. And it's possible. And there's bobcats out there. I mean, the, the mascot for Texas State is the bobcat. That's for a reason. Bobcats live in the area. A bobcat could have, you know, drug a body off. Um, it's, it's, so it's not ruled out, but it's, for me, it's hard to believe because the intensity of those searches in the early days by Texas Equisearch and Texar. I mean, we're talking yeah. hundreds of the best volunteers in the country descending on this little sort of four, four or five square acre area and and nothing found dogs not finding it. It it does seem hard to believe, but it's not something that you can completely rule out in that area. I hear you. Is it a heavily wooded area? Yes and no. Uh, 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 Along the roadway, there's lots of open ground because it's an oil field. I mean, it's nothing but pump jacks. And if you've ever been through that oil field, that rotten egg smell. Yeah, it's there. Um, Mm -hmm. But on either side of the roadway, it's like any any fences, any barbed wire fences in Texas. It's almost impassable, not only because of the fencing, but because of the, the small trees and the brush. Uh, so it's it's if you wandered off of the roadway, you almost have to look at where there are gaps and cattle guards. Mm-hmm. Once you get past that initial, it's very, very open ground um, with some exceptions. And then, of course, there are freaks that run through the area that then get very heavily wooded. And and we have uh, been down there, searched uh, those creeks, creeks quite extensive. What what are sort of the top theories of what happened to Jason? Um, are there a couple or three theories that are kind of the ones that you're working off of, um, the people close to the case? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the sort of guiding principle is that he wandered off and succumbed to something. So it's it's looking at what are the most likely areas he could have gone to. Um, there have been, um, you know, uh, lots of reports of him getting hypothermic uh, and trying to go to water. Uh, that is still a possibility. And we did check out a lot of waterways because we also had a dog hit on an area of, of Plum Creek there. Um, secondarily, uh, you know, there is the possibility, and this is more along the lines of one of my theories, is is that, I mean, there's a possibility of, of him being hit by a drunk driver, you know, and, and somebody freaking out and, and, and taking off with, with the body. 
Um, but again, not much of a shred of evidence to point to anything other than just the area, some intuition, knowing what it's like, and the strangeness of, we know this kid walked 900 feet south because his belongings were found on the roadway 900 feet south. His supposed clothing was found there. So that, that adds that element to, now this kid's out there, no shoes on a gravel road, naked, supposedly. Um, and then just disappears. Uh, so um, it, it's, 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 you know, and then of course, you always can't rule out some foul play. I mean, that, that area is the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, even, even looming locals, high schoolers, it's the kind of place they go to drink beer because there's never anybody around. There's never police down there. There's no whites. There's no cameras. There's no nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, they're like anywhere uh, outside of small towns like that, there's drugs. So, it, it, you know, he could have been walking south and, and seen something happen in a, in a drug deal gone bad. And if they didn't have cell phones, you know, there's no way we could rule that out. Um, so you can't really rule out foul play. It's just nothing that really indicates. So if it is foul play, do you think it was random? Like he wandered into something or do you think somebody followed him from because it was a half an hour from where he started? Do you think somebody followed yeah. him or would it have been an impromptu foul play? I, I can say unequivocally that it was completely random. And, and here's here's why, um, you know, if you drive to that intersection in downtown Lulee, there are cameras on there and, and law enforcement has said, you know, we see him go through the through the light. You know, it's probably dark. They probably can't tell that he's alone in the car, but no reason. There was not enough time for him to even have stopped mm -hmm. for, say, a minute along the route before he hit that intersection where he kind of went the wrong way. So okay. it's not like he could have stopped and picked somebody up or or stopped right. and, and done something. So, you know, he's, he's not followed. He's not, doesn't have anybody in the car with him. And one of the things that I did early on was do a little bit of analysis. And I, I worked for a tech company, so I got a little bit of help and did a little bit of analysis on social media. Um, took Jason and a circle of about 600 people close to him, right? And all their contacts and compared them to, any other possibilities that we could think of that might be some sort of connection where he had, he was meeting somewhere. All in all, we looked at about 14 million possible connections where I'm looking for somebody who is within Jason's circle that knows somebody from that area. Zilch, nothing, not a single one. The, I'd say unequivocally, really? Jason had no contact with anyone in that area, not even a few Texas state students that were from that area originally. So has a private, has a private investigator looked at this also? I mean, in addition to the work everyone else is doing, of course, I mean, has a PI kind of. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, Abel Pena, ex FBI agent was really took the charge in working with the Landry team. His, I, I believe there was a connection with one of his children and a good friend of, uh, of Jason's. Um, and so that he, he knew of the case that way and Abel is a retired FBI agent, started his own private eye agency, and he has started the group Project Absentis, which focuses on helping families find the lost, if you will. Um, and yes, he did a lot of work process. I can imagine the number of wild goose chase leads that he and his team chased down early on. Um, and, and, and it's, and was 
you know, was the forefront of taking in all tips for a very, very long time. Um, and then I, I think, you know, probably back when we moved on to other things, once the case was given over to the Office of the Attorney General's case division. And I'm sure there's been some others out there. Uh, I know there's 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 a, a few. Um, I, I don't like to mention names other than Abel's, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, there, there there's been there's been several that have been out there. Uh, you know, doing the beat uh, feet on the street work of going to local bars and hangouts and asking questions and doing those kind of things. Um, uh, but 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 yeah, there's probably a handful, three, four, five that have different times. What's what's Abel Pena's? What do you think his opinion is? Has he shared his theory? Has he formed one? Yeah, yet? he's very, very very publicly has shared his theory, and and uh, oddly enough, it, it counters what most of the rest of us think. Um, you know, he thinks possibly that that there could have been you know uh, you know some trafficking involved, and I know the trafficking is a big umbrella word, but you know. <laughs> You, you see the wrong drug thing happen and someone makes you disappear. That could be under trafficking. Uh, the, uh, and uh, I don't want to speak for the man because it's been probably a year since I think he was on there. But uh, yeah, yeah, you actually can, you can Google Abel Pena and Jason Landy. There's probably. I remember the, I remember the name. Yes. I'll go back yes, and look yeah, some more. Yeah. No, and, and I mean, it just a good team and, and ex FBI agent. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doing good things, you know. Yeah, that's awesome that he got involved. Um, when you said that we they went to local bars, some of the other private investigators, and talked to locals, was it there in that small town or back at Texas State? It, it was. It was in, there in, in that Lewis. small town. Okay. Yeah. And, it's, well, and, and part of the reason why is that that does get back to sort of the drunk driver theory. Because mm-hmm. if you lived up north from Luling, there's, I think it's 84. is the only road that goes north from there. Um, and it is well patrolled. Right. So if I'm in town drinking on a Sunday night, I live up north and I don't want to pass any law enforcement risk getting a DUI. I go up Salt Flat Road, that very same road. I, I can get a good you know, four to five miles north of not having to be on a major road. And, and so a lot of the focus at times has been on interviewing people, waitresses, bartenders and the few. There's probably three or four bars there in Lumley saying, hey, you know, any regulars here, do you remember people on a Sunday night doing this or that? And then, of course, there's always the reports of, hey, I overheard three guys talking about that they did this to Jason. Right. You know, all those really turned into nothing but hearsay. But, yeah, quite a I few. I mean, folks. I can see that theory happening. It's another plausible theory. You know, a, a drunk driver hits Jason. He's thinking, oh, no, I killed this kid. I'm going to go to prison for life. I'm going to be sued by his family for everything I've got. I mean, Panicking and getting rid of the body, I could see that. And and that area of Luling is, I hate to say it, but if I was a local and knew the area, there's a million places to hide a body where it would never be found. You know, not only around all the oil well stuff, but Luling and Gonzales used to, and still probably is, the chicken capital of Texas. And, and if you look at aerial imagery, you'll see lots of little three hash marks in the dirt where chicken farms used to be where their low slung houses were and all those chicken farms had sewer pits, you know, that probably were never demolished and still around. So if I was a local and something like that happened and I freaked out and I had to, I had to, you know, get rid of any sort of evidence, there are a million places out there to do that. 
I want to go back and talk about the clothes that were found on the road. Um, I know this was December and it was more than likely very cold. Do you, do y'all know what the temperature was at that time and why? Cause I can't imagine any reason why he would have taken off his clothes. Is there a theory on that? You know, uh, yeah, there is. And so it was about 45 degrees, I believe, you know, 1030 on a Sunday night, uh, December 13th. Um, and quite, quite windy. So the windshield would have been pretty good too, but you know, the, the FaceTime, video that shows him getting ready, putting on his hat, the shirt that was found on the road. We don't know about the shorts, but more than likely the, the flip-flops that he had on. Um, the backpack shows him slinging it over his head. The watch he put on. You know, you even see on the camera him putting on his watch. And uh, and so when you then find these clothes in the middle of the road, the, the natural thing to think is that for some reason – he walked 900 feet south on the direction he came from, stripped his clothes, dropped his backpack, um, dropped his betta fish, which was in a tumbler. He put it in the tumbler to transfer it home and then disappeared. Um, a lot of early reports talked about paradoxical undressing where um, you, you hypothermia sets in. And uh, you, you, but but then your response is you feel like your body's getting hot, so you undress, and then you you go try to bury in the ground or find water to cool yourself off. Um, that's a that's a very plausible theory that that happened, but um, it's it's hard to imagine walking down that road. It's it's white shirt rock, very hard, very sharp, and your bare feet for much further than a few feet. But yes. That's so strange. It's it's I'm I'm not a, a and I don't I don't mind saying this, but it's it's I mean if you're gonna make a case for alien abduction, this would be it because you just poof, yeah you know, yeah uh, thin air. Well, it's got to be so hard for his parents uh, knowing that you know they have the video and seeing what he did before, and then knowing that his clothes were out there and everything was left behind. I can't even imagine it would just I mean it would drive you crazy no matter what, but that makes it so much worse. It does, and 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 his his parents, Kent and Lisa, are just beautiful people. Um, you know, it's it's uh, the, the the upside and the silver lining in that thing is so many of us just meeting so many wonderful people. You know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I know it's 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 tough for them, but they have been very prayerful. They've been very very strong and very very engaged with you know from Abel Pena to the sheriff's department to to us, you know, working um, and. Uh, if I, and in part, I think the reason why a lot of us stay so involved is that we all think ourselves, you know, if it were me as a parent, I would at least feel better feeling like, wow, there's all these people out here that are just doing stuff that I don't have to make happen. Right. You know, if nothing was happening, you would always feel it was just on your shoulders. Yeah. To figure it out. But, but it's, it's like, it's like coming home and one of your kids just magically cleaned the house for you. Wow. Yeah, taking that burden off. Yeah, that makes sense. I read somewhere about a a, a banner that, I don't know if this is old or what, but there was a banner that they were wanting to have somebody uh, allow them to put it up so that people could see it, I guess, in that area, hoping for some tips. Did did that ever happen? It did on several occasions. Yeah, so we've had uh, groups of folks that had the banners made, Uh, some very, very good folks that, man, went through some heck to, to get approval because in the city, they only allow so many billboards and this was billboard sized. And, um, 
you know, uh, eventually allowed us to put it up on a, at a billboard level, but then said, oh, nope, we've had other billboards come in. You guys can't put that up. And, um, and you know, a small town like that that's trying to, they've got a lot of things going for them. You know, they're probably not the happiest about this big, giant billboard right in the center of town that says, hey, find this missing kid all the time. Yeah, like this right. is what your town is known for, kind of. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But, but the you know, we've had local patrons with property that have allowed us to to put it up. Uh, you know, so I think there's been a total of three places that banner has gone up when we were no longer able to have the banner up somewhere. Um, some of our volunteers and other Jason Landry, you know, you know, followers. I took the banner and, and made them made them into handbags and other various products, you know, that we that have been given away or, or even sold to raise money. Um, a Cindy, uh, if you guys th that originally started this conversation, um, yes. you ever see her? She'll have her Jason Landry handbag on made out of a banner. Uh, she did. We met her at the we met her at the podcast festival in Austin yeah. weekend before last, and she had all that on. It was great. It's, it's impressive. I've seen it, the wallet and the the purse yeah. and everything. I think it's great, and and all the nice uh, things that y'all had to to give away for you know uh, exposure at the festival. It was it was great. Yeah, no, I mean that, that all comes from a great group of uh, volunteers and part of our search team. Um, now, Jim, Jim, some of our listeners, you know, always want to help out and. If somebody wanted to help either with the search literally right there in Luling, Texas, or maybe offer some other services or resources, who would they contact? Uh, yeah, absolutely. They can contact uh, myself, uh, Jim West. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Cindy Clay. Um, you also can, I mean, go just Jason Landry search on Facebook groups. Okay. Uh, yeah. And also our listeners can contact us in our social media and we'll connect you with them. Okay. Uh, well, that's good. So what, what's going on right now? What is the latest activity as far as the um, campaign to find out what happened to Jason? Um, there, there are things happening that uh, uh, from our search team standpoint, we, we, we tentatively, we haven't uh, really ferreted this down completely. Uh, we've, we're planning through the end of 2023. We've tentative kind of have three search dates. Uh, two of those will be strictly foot searches. Uh, another will be a foot search and a dog search team that has, uh, graciously offered, uh, to come out and donate their time and, and help because that, that helps. Um, so, so that's us. Uh, we're, we're also, you know, other things we're into. We are also a, a big group of us, not myself included. Uh, we'll be attending the Texar fundraiser, uh, I believe September 23rd. So, you know, they're out there. They've, they've done so much out there. Hey, we're a small community, a small village. Uh, you know, so we're trying to be out there and support them. There, there are, you know, it's not just us on the search. Side. There are things happening. Um, not, you know, at, at liberty to say, but it's not, mm -hmm. it's not a case sitting in a banker's box in a dusty warehouse somewhere. That's it, good. It's it's actively being dealt with. And, you know, I'll tell this to anybody. Sometimes people think that advocacy doesn't do much. But just being the advocate, putting the word out there, doing the things like you all do, uh, any of us do, it, it, it keeps it fresh. It keeps people going. It makes it so that people can't put something in a banker box and say, well, let me go focus on this other stuff. So don't ever think that even if 
even if you're not volunteering or, or donating to GoFundMe or doing things like that, if you're just active and participating um, in, in, in the space, you're helping no matter what. Yeah, that's awesome. We couldn't agree with you more. We have uh, people that, you know, in our groups and stuff that talk about the, you know, our case that we talk about all the time, Missy Beavers, um, they're always thanking us. And I turn around and me and Crystal both, and we thank them back because we couldn't do it without them. They're, you know, they're discussing it with us, coming up with ideas, you know, sharing, donating, and and it's all important. Yeah, that is great. We're, we're happy to help spread the word about Jason and we hope and pray that something breaks soon because his family deserves to know what happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Well, thank you, Jim, for being on true crime rods today. We really appreciate it. And we hope you have, a great day and that something breaks soon because you guys are working so hard on this all right we'll do thank y'all so much for thank having you. me thank you thank you you're welcome on. okay bye. have a great day you too Thank you so much for listening to True Crime Broads. We would also love to see you on our social media. Our two main platforms are Instagram and Facebook under True Crime Broads, but we also have a presence on YouTube, TikTok, and Twitter. And also, if you listen to our podcast and enjoy it, please feel free to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple. And also, there's an option on Apple to leave a review as well. Thank you for listening to True Crime Broads. Let's go, huh, huh, yeah, let's go, where you from, what, I mean, yeah, let's go, huh, ooh, ice up on my neck, let it shine, let it shine, yeah, she gon' hit my line, I decline, I decline, yeah, shine, be the best, I'm the fine, I'm the fine, yeah, count all these racks, give me time, give me time, yeah, she gon' hit my phone, where you from, where you at, though, if you laughing at me, then just get up on my face, though, all my diamonds shining like you never see.